That's awesome. If you weren't here on Easter, we showed that video, but it was so good, we showed it again today, because Jesus is still alive. How many of you know that? Last week was Easter, but Jesus is still alive today. So uh, our, our next session of life groups are starting this week. Uh, you can go online, see what groups are available. Uh, get connected. Get in relationship with some people, because that's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. We are here for him, and we're here for each other, and that's, that's part of our walk with Jesus. So uh, last week on Easter, we talked about a tip to help us move forward in life, because we're not going to spend our time looking back and trying to make it, things happen like they used to happen. We're going to move forward, and last week we said it helps us to look back to see what God has done and to testify about it. And that's what actually helps us move forward. And uh, this week, I want to start a new series today called Do You See What I See? And it's, it's not the Christmas song, please get that out of your head now. Or if I just put it in your head and you're singing it right now, I'm sorry. Um, but no, I want to start this series because one of the things that also helps us move forward is having vision of seeing what's in front of us, seeing who we are and who we're going to be, seeing what Jesus has done and what he is going to do in our lives. Uh, vision can be big or small. I think sometimes we limit ourselves because we think, oh, my, I, got, I don't, can't move forward because I don't have a vision yet and it's got to be this big, fat, hairy deal. Sometimes it can be small. It can be something little, a change that we want to move towards in our lives. Uh, sometimes you just need to start with something simple and sustainable, like I could do that. That's I can figure out and with the help of Jesus, that's going to happen in my life. Uh, I saw this cartoon. The company came up, talked about a simple mission statement uh, or a vision statement. Uh, this is what they said. They're, they're looking at the sign on the wall at the workplace. It says, it's our new vision statement. We couldn't agree on anything else at the meeting. And the sign says, stop being such a jerk. <laughs> oh, come on. That was funny. <laughs> my dad jokes are wasted on not my kids. Uh, Come on, God has higher and better for our lives, but sometimes we may need to start with something that simple. Maybe, maybe that's a vision for my life for 2021 is I need to stop being a jerk to people. I need to let the fruit of the Spirit start to grow in my life. It could be big. It could be small. It's just something that we look forward to that's going to help us move from where we are to somewhere else. Uh, here's a quote for you if, you if you didn't like the dad jokes. Here's a more serious quote. Helen Keller actually said it's a terrible thing to see and have no vision. Man, think about that for a second. This is from a woman who was unable to see or to hear. Like most of us, we would just give up. That, that's it. Uh, woe is me. Pack it in. But Helen Keller said, man, I've got vision for my life. Even though I can't see or hear, I know where I want to go and I know who I want to be. Vision is what propelled her to overcome the obstacles that she was facing in her life. She earned a bachelor's degree and wrote 12 books in her life without being able to see or to hear. She had vision that moved her forward. So we need to have vision too. If it was good enough for her, it's good enough for us. Uh, here's another quote for you. Vision is the art of seeing what is invisible to others. That's a great quote. That's, think about that. That's like an artist or a sculptor. A sculptor looks at a big pile of rock and they see a finished work in there. They know what they want to have come out of that. An artist sees a blank canvas and says, I know what I want to be on that. God operates this way all the time. Can I just say that? He looks at our lives where we don't see anything. We, we see nothing. We see a blank canvas or a canvas that's already used and got junk all over. Come on, how many of you have been there in your life? And we think, how could he possibly do that? But God sees what's not visible to other people. That's why and how he can use us. 
in Scripture and talking about us being descendants of Abraham and God bringing all kinds of promises to pass in the world and in our lives. This is what Paul said in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, uh, talking about every, all the good stuff that happened to Abraham, the promises that were being fulfilled. It said this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. How many of you feel like that's a God you could get behind? That's, that's somebody that I want working in my life. That's somebody that I want vision of what does he see? Because he's a God who raises the dead and looks at things where there's nothing and says, I'm going to create something right here. It's just like we talked about during worship this morning. He, he brings new things where there is nothing even. He brings new things where the old things are broken. We can never use them again. We don't even see a way to move forward from where we are. And God comes and says, this is just the place where I can work. God, uh, one, one translation in, in Romans 4 actually says, God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. How many of us can identify with that? Man, I, I didn't have any gifts that I could see. I thought I was a nobody. I didn't see how God could use me. And God comes and says, I'm going to make something out of that. We're thinking, God, how could you possibly use me? And God is saying, if only you could see what I see. That's a good point to latch on to right there. Maybe some of our prayers need to start being, God, help me see what you see. Because I can't see what you want to do. I can't even forget the whole world. I can't even see what you want to do in me this year. And we need to be starting to pray, God, let me see what you see. Let me begin to speak the way you speak. Let me come into agreement with those things that you see that are invisible to me, but you can cause them to come to pass. Instead of, God, how could you possibly use me? Let me see what you see. The Bible talks about our need for vision this way. You've probably heard this verse a hundred times. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Your translation may say something like, Without vision, the people perish, or they cast off restraint. But the bottom line is, with no vision, everybody does their own thing. They do what seems right to them or, or just whatever happens this morning. Oh, I'll just guess I'll go with that. And they, they stumble all over each other because we're not moving in the same direction. We're all trying to do oh, that just popped into my head. How many of you ever saw Finding Nemo? Yeah. If you, if you had parents of kids at a certain age, you probably saw that movie a lot, like a bunch of times. I just remember at one point in the movie, the fish all got caught in the net. And they couldn't get out of the net because they were all swimming in different directions trying to escape on their own. That's what this verse in Proverbs is talking about. It's everybody doing their own thing. And Nemo had this idea. He says, if we all swim the same direction, we can get out. And they all started swimming the same direction. And they broke a weak spot in the net and they all escaped. That's what this verse is talking about. When we have vision, we go from just individuals moving randomly about doing our own thing, stumbling all over each other. We go from there to being a people that have purpose and we're moving in a direction and we can accomplish things together. So we need to have vision so we can see the same thing and move together in step in unity. And uh, God may be speaking to you in 2021 about the need for vision in your family or for you as an individual, uh, but I want to use the next few weeks to talk about the vision that he has for new life and what he's doing here in our midst. Uh, if you've ever been around for any length of time, you've probably heard us say this statement a lot. This is kind of our mission and vision statement 
even smashed together. But uh, you may see it in the lobby. You may see it online, some of our stuff. But as New Life Fellowship, we exist to help people in the southwest area of Pittsburgh encounter Jesus, grow in their faith, and give it away. And we often shorthand it to just encounter Jesus, grow in our faith, and give it away, or encounter, grow, give. You'll see those words a lot if you're around here. That's what I want to focus on the next few weeks. But I don't want us to lose the thought or the sentiment that this statement actually starts, we exist to help people. Come on, God is all about people. And that we're not just a club. We don't meet. Man, worship was awesome this morning. Jesus was here in this room walking among us, doing stuff in our midst. We don't exist just to come together and sing a couple songs. We come together to meet with Jesus. We have a purpose. We come together to help people because people are who are important to Jesus. So it's a reminder that it's not just what we can get out of things. It's what we can give to help others around us. People should be having their lives changed because of what Jesus is doing at New Life Fellowship. There's something in there that he wants us to be doing that's outside of just our lives or these four walls. So today, I want to start off this series by talking a little bit about encountering Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is the answer? How many of you have ever heard that joke? Every Sunday school class and every question that you could ever ask, the answer is always, Jesus. Do I have to tell the joke again? Can, should I? They're, the kids are in the Sunday school class, and the teacher says, what's brown and fuzzy and lives in a tree and eats nuts? And the little kid says, well, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. That's because Jesus really is the answer to everything we could face in our lives. It's not just in the Sunday school quiz way. He really is the answer because he's the one that has the power to change our lives. He's the one that has the power to come and mend broken things. He is a redeemer, a restorer, and a reconciler. He is the answer. And when we talk about having an encounter with Jesus, we use that phrase because it's more than just learning about Jesus. How many of you have ever grown up or spent any time in a church context or in your own life where you're going through a season of just, oh, it's, it's just about learning about Jesus? You, you read the stories, you memorize the verses, you learn about him, but you don't actually know him. And that's why we use the phrase having an encounter with Jesus, because he is risen and he is alive. He is someone that we can meet with. The word encounter, if you look it up in the dictionary, one of the definitions is to have a face-to-face meeting. Come on, what we were doing in worship this morning, we were having a face-to-face meeting with Jesus. We weren't just reading about him in a book or a story or thinking about, well, what could he have done back then that could possibly affect? We were having a meeting right there with him face-to-face. That's why it's not just a cliche to say that Christianity is about having a relationship, not just religion. How many of you have ever used that line on a friend? Like they ask you, oh, you're so religious. And you say, no, it's about a relationship. That's because he's alive and we really can meet with him face to face and we can see him change our lives. Um, I look at it this way at New Life Fellowship. If, if I can make space for people to meet with Jesus themselves, he'll take care of changing their lives. Jesus will do more in an instant than I could do arguing with people or or teaching them or trying to convince them of something for a lifetime. And if one meeting with Jesus, one moment will transform their lives. So the more that I can get myself out of the way, yes, we're going to talk about here's the standards, here's what the Word of God says, here's how you can have a relationship. But when push comes to shove, I want people to come and encounter him, not me. 
And if I can make space for that to happen, people's lives are going to be changed. How do, how do we practically do that? How do we encounter Jesus? Because obviously he wasn't here in his physical body walking around the room this morning. Uh, I had a pastor friend, he posted a, a reminder for Easter Sunday. He, he said, please, pastors of churches across America, during worship, please don't have a bearded congregant in a white robe walk through during worship while people have their eyes closed worshiping and lightly touch them on the shoulder because it's just weird. Like they, they said the only person that probably enjoys it is the guy in the robe with the beard, and even he knows it's really strange. Um, so we didn't do that for Easter, but that's, he wasn't here in his physical body walking around. So how do we encounter Jesus? How are we really meeting with him face to face? We meet with him through his spirit. That's what was actually happening in that transaction during worship time. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit was here in this place, moving among us, working on our hearts, letting us know that we were loved, letting us know that there was hope, receiving our worship this morning. He was in this place by the power of his spirit. That's a real way that we encounter Jesus. We can encounter Jesus through his word. He, he is the physical word of God. That's one of the titles or the names of Jesus. He is the word. When we open our Bibles, it's not just to read or memorize a verse or see some piece of information. We should open our Bibles thinking, Jesus, I want to meet with you right here in these pages. Who, who's ever had that experience where you read a verse and it leaped off the page at you? You just knew like, wow, Jesus, I'm, you're here with me right now. I'm seeing it in scripture. That's what should happen when we read our Bibles. We encounter Jesus through his body, not his physical body, but we are the body of Christ. The people of God are the body of Christ. And there is an aspect where we should be encountering Jesus when we meet with each other. That's, that's why life groups are important. You're going to have an opportunity to be in context with people in God's family and getting to see and experience his life together. We, we were talking, can I tie my shoe? That's okay. It's, it's bugging the heck out of me while we're talking. I stepped on it like, whoa. This is pretty incredible right here. I don't think that's happened since I was like four. For somebody else to tie my shoes for me. I could have gone and gotten my mom to do it. I'm, I'm so excited. Mom and my grandma are here. They, they got their vaccinations. My, my mom, uh, huh, this past year was hard. Like, and I think out of everything, one of the hardest things that was on my mom's heart, we talked about time and time again, was not being with the family of God, not, not being physically present in this place to see people and to worship together. Like, I don't know that she cared that much about, hey, go to the grocery store, don't go to the grocery store. Get Instacart, get your kids to bring your groceries. That wasn't a big deal for mom. What was a big deal is I miss worshiping together. And she was watching online every week. Uh, my, my grandmother is 98, so that's awesome. I'm, 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 praying that, uh, I'm praying that I got those genes from Grammy, like the long life genes. I have no idea where I was going now. We were talking this morning. Tie my shoe. That's... See what happens when your shoe comes untied. We were talking this morning about the verse in Hebrews that talks about we're supposed to stir or spur or encourage each other on towards love and good works or good deeds. That's, that's part of you and I, we, 
whatever pronoun you're using these days, we can be encounters for people. We are the ones that can represent and let the life and love of Jesus flow through us. And, and as we were talking about that verse in Hebrews that says you're supposed to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, that is exactly the picture of what Jesus did and how he operated. How many times do you see in Scripture there's a crowd of people and it says Jesus was moved with compassion for them. Jesus loved them so much that he went over and he began to heal the sick and he began to do these different miracles. It was because he had love and it stirred him to do good deeds for people. And so that verse in Hebrews, that's the exact same thing. What the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to do is do the same thing that Jesus did. Love people and let it motivate you to do good for them. There's something in our lives that we forget sometimes that Jesus, you've not just called me to be saved and sit in this seat. You've called me to be an encounter for people out there that they would see and know your life in through my life. Gosh, helping other people have encounters with Jesus starts with us having encounters with Jesus. It's really hard to give away something that you don't have. And I think the more that we encounter Jesus in our lives, the more that we purpose to do that, the more it begins to flow out of us and we can give it away to others. Uh, Here are just a couple reminders. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but I just want to give you a couple reminders about encounters that we can have with Jesus that we should be having that will help us to give it away to others. Number one is encounters don't have to be formal. Thank God I'd be in trouble. If our encounters had to be formal and I'm up here letting Pam tie my shoe... We're doomed. Like, we'll never have another encounter again if it has to be formal. My, I can tell you, oh, I can tell you the exact number of times I wore a tie last year. Come on, because we had five weddings and two funerals. Encounters don't have to be formal, and if they do, we're in trouble. Sometimes we get hung up because we think meeting with Jesus has to be in a certain place or a certain time, or we have to dress a certain way, or we have to speak a certain way. If we can only have an encounter with Jesus if we come to church and we use our church words. Come on. How many of you have words that you leave out in the car and you only share the church words? How are you doing? I'm blessed. Oh, I'm highly favored. Jesus is so good. Yes, he is. That's not what you were saying to your spouse in the car five minutes ago. Like, how's it really going? Come on, you know that you can have an encounter with Jesus even with that baggage and that stuff. All that garbage that we're carrying along that we think somehow i got to hide this. Jesus is coming over. Put it in the closet real quick so he doesn't see any of it. I, I remember there was a song that came out. A Christian band did a song in the 80s called Hide the Beer, the Pastor's Here. Come on, we think it has to be formal. We, we think i got to put on airs so Jesus will know what's going on and I'll be impressive to Jesus. He knows all the stuff you're doing anyway, and he still wants to come and be with you. He's looking at Zacchaeus in the tree. I know you're a notorious sinner. I know what you've done and what's in your heart, and I want to come eat at your house today. He didn't give Zacchaeus, like, Zacchaeus, here's 10 minutes. I'll let you go home and straighten things up before I come over with the disciples. I think he came down out of that tree. Jesus put his arm around and said, man, we're going to go eat at your house. Just the way you are. It doesn't have to be formal. We don't have to put on some kind of show for Jesus. It's as simple as knowing that he's with us. There was a time uh, Peter and John healed a crippled beggar. And can you imagine this? They got arrested by the church people. 
Think about how strange that is. You just did a miracle in the name of Jesus, this crippled guy that had been laying there for decades. He gets up and he starts walking and the religious people are so upset at you that they come and arrest you. There is something out of whack in that mindset and that story. And in spite of being threatened and told not to speak in the name of Jesus, they began to preach the gospel. Jesus is so good. We're, we're here today because we did kindness to a beggar. And, you, and this is how it happened. Jesus did this. And so they were talking to these people. And this is what it says in Acts 4.13. The religious people, the council members, were astonished as they watched the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Do we have any ordinary men and women in the room today? Man, just I am who I am. He says they were ordinary men who never had any religious training. Then they began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them simply by spending time with them. Jesus always changes our lives. No matter what context it is that he comes and meets with us in. Think about all the ordinary, even mundane stuff that Jesus did with the disciples. None of, none of the gospel accounts talk about, well, Jesus got up out of bed and stretched, and then they cooked some breakfast, and then they talked for a little while. Maybe they had a shave. Like, it doesn't say any of that stuff, but do you know what? Jesus was there with them. And even in those ordinary day-to-day moments, simply spending time with Jesus transformed these guys' lives to such a degree that the religious leaders were astonished. They said, whoa, these guys have been with Jesus that, that must be how they're doing what they're doing. Other people will notice. I, I think Peter and John were probably ordinary guys like us. Do you ever get frustrated at yourself because I feel like I'm not making enough progress? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I still yelled at Pam or I'm still doing the same stupid things. I'm still going around this mountain. And we get frustrated and hard at ourselves because we feel like I'm not making enough progress. But other people see it. Peter and John may have woke up that morning and thought, can you believe we've, we've hardly done anything for Jesus yet? I'm, I'm still this fisherman who's crusty around the edges and hard to be around. Yet the religious leaders looked at them and said, wow, Jesus really has been at work in your life. Yeah. And all they were doing was following him. Yeah. What if we invited Jesus to be present in the everyday, even the mundane stuff of our lives, the ordinary, yeah. Jesus, thank you for being here while I'm brushing my teeth this morning. I don't know, that might be a stupid one you're thinking or a crazy one. But what if we did that? What if we just invited Jesus, be present even in the stuff we're doing today? Our lives would be changed to the point where people could notice. Encounters don't have to be formal. Encounters can be unexpected. Here's a great story. I think some of the best encounters happen when we're not expecting them because they get our attention. Like, whoa, Jesus, where'd you come from? How, how did that happen? Those are the best kind that happen in our lives, and they grab hold of us. And uh, one of Jesus' apostles was a man named Nathaniel. And uh, he was probably the disciple in the other Gospels that's called Bartholomew because he hung out with Philip all the time. And, and it's like, have you ever seen Bartholomew and Nathaniel together in the same room? One of those conspiracies. Um, the word Nathaniel means God-given or God's gift, and Bartholomew means son of Tolius. So bar means son of Tutichi right now. Move on to the point. Um, but Nathaniel, I picture that. Like, I think John probably used the word Nathaniel because he's like, oh, there's God's gift. Like, yeah, almost 
Anyway, that's how I hear it. So Nathaniel was one of the 12 apostles. And uh, after Philip had been called by Jesus, he goes to find his friend Nathaniel and says, you've got to come see this guy. He's the one we've been waiting for. And Nathaniel, to put it mildly, is skeptical. He says, Jesus from Nazareth? Like, is anything good coming out of there? There's no way that could be happening. And Jesus sees Nathaniel walking up to him. Philip's bringing him. Come meet Jesus with me. He's helping him have an encounter. Come on, there's, there's something that we should follow. Let's help people have encounters with Jesus. And he brings him over, and Jesus sees him coming and says, There is an Israelite in whom there is nothing false. You're, you have no guile. You have no pretense. You're just honest through and through. You're who you are. And Nathaniel is like, in chapter 1 of John, verse 48, Nathaniel says, How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I think there's probably a little more depth to this story than we get just from that casual read of it. Like, oh, you saw him sitting on... It's, it's very possible that he may have been sitting under a literal fig tree before Philip came and said, hey, come, come with me to meet Jesus. And Jesus telling him that something clicks that he's like, wow, you're the son of God. How did you see through time and space to know where I was and what I was doing? That's one possibility. I've also heard some scholars say that sitting under the fig tree was a Jewish idiom for studying prophecies about the Messiah. And Jesus may have been saying, hey, I saw you while you were reading scriptures about me and about prophecies about me coming. How, whatever it was, in that moment, an unexpected moment, Nathaniel has this enlightenment. That, wow, you are the king of kings. You're the son of God. You're the one that we've been waiting for. Either way, it rocked his world. And Nathaniel was never the same after that. We can have unexpected encounters with Jesus that change us forever. This is another side note. Some scholars and traditions actually think that Nathaniel was the bridegroom at the wedding of Cana. Not specifically overtly in scripture, but kind of a tradition that was passed down from the rabbis and the Jews. I thought that was pretty cool. Can you imagine a miracle happening that's recorded for eternity just from one unexpected encounter with Jesus? I think that would be pretty awesome. So they don't have to be formal. They can be unexpected. But this is where I want to land and end today. Encounters can also be intentional. Jesus promises never to leave us. So that means he's always available. That means he is with us no matter where you find yourselves. We could be in the darkest dark or the brightest bright. He's right there with us. Sometimes, though, it helps to be intentional about our meetings with Jesus putting away distractions, actually purposing to meet with him, to say, I'm, I'm going to spend time with you right now. And uh, the story I was thinking about for being intentional about it, uh, you remember the woman with the issue of blood. She'd been sick for 12 years, spent all her money on doctors. She wasn't getting better, and she knew that Jesus was going to be in her town. And it says in Mark 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And in that story, immediately she was healed. Instantly, that that issue of blood left her and she knew she was whole. She planned to do that. She was intentional about encountering Jesus. She knew a place where Jesus was going to be that day, and she had to go there even though she would not have been welcome. 
hey, you've got illness, sickness. You shouldn't even be touching these religious people that are in the crowd. We're going to be unclean if you touch us. She shouldn't have been there. And there was this large crowd that was so close that the disciples were like, how, what do you mean, Jesus, who touched you? There's so many people here. Everybody's touching everybody. She had to go. Picture this. A woman who was not welcome that shouldn't have been there, probably weak in her body and her strength from bleeding for 12 years. She says, I'm going to fight through that to go just touch the edge of Jesus' cloak. That's right. That's right. Talk about being intentional for having an encounter yes. with Jesus. Yes. And I will tell you this morning, you and I, we have more access than she did. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is alive today, who we celebrate every day of our lives, is with us and in us. We have more access to Jesus than she ever did. What holds back us from being intentional about meeting with Jesus when we don't even have to get up and fight through a crowd of a thousand people? There's some of us, we we don't even go downtown because we don't like so many people being around at the same time. Yet this woman says, there's a huge crowd that I'm going to fight through. We don't even have to do that. Right where we are, we can be intentional about meeting with Jesus. And that's that's where I want to leave us this week. Uh, My action item for this week is be intentional. Plan a time with Jesus this week. Be, be open to unexpected encounters, recognize them, celebrate them, thank them when they happen. But this week, pick one moment. Actually, you can get out your calendar, you can get out your phone, however you keep track of your schedule, which could be harder during corona. Anybody lose the day of the week or the, the number on the calendar? Whatever you use to keep track of your time, put something in there this week to say, I'm going to be intentional about meeting with Jesus. And I don't know what it is that you're going to ask him to do in that moment. You may have illness in your body, just like this woman. You may have different things going on. You may need breakthrough in certain areas. Or you just may need to start out and say, I'm going to spend time with you, Jesus, just to be. I'm going to, I'm going to say, Lord, this is, this is our time in this space. I don't have an agenda. I just want to be here with you. How many of you know that sometimes those are the best kind of meetings with Jesus? I didn't, I didn't have a list. I didn't, he knows what we need better than we could make a list anyway. Sometimes it's, he just wants our heart in that moment. I just want to come and be with you. And that's it. Whatever you need to do this week to put that in your calendar, put that in. Plan a time with Jesus. And... Uh, I'll say we, we, had that, we had a moment during worship this morning. Uh, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you never started that relationship with Jesus, you're not sure he's with you because you never said, Lord, I want you to come be in my life and be the Lord and Savior of my life. This is a great day to do it. And if you did it during worship, I encourage you, tell somebody before you leave. Or if you're watching online, send us a note and tell us you did that. We'd love to hear that and just celebrate with you and help you on that journey with Jesus. Hmm. He really does forgive our past and redeem our future. He gives us a life that we can never have earned or made on our own. Let's go ahead and stand together in this place. We're, we're going to worship on the way out today, but I just want to pray to bless us. And then if you're going through anything, 
Talk about needing an encounter with Jesus. If you're going through anything where it would help just to have a person stand face to face with you and say, I want to pray with you and for you. There'll be some people up front here to do that as we worship on the way out today. Um, They're here today. People on the ministry team are here just because they want to pray with you. They want to help you have an encounter with Jesus. So if you need prayer for anything today, don't leave without coming up and having that opportunity just to meet with him and have somebody pray with you. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We're thankful for your activity in our lives. But more than anything, we're just saying that we love you. You are amazing, Lord. And thank you for being present in our lives. Even when we're not aware of you, we thank you that you've never left us, that you've never forsaken us. You've walked right through the same moments we've walked through. You've walked with us through our darkest times and our greatest celebrations. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And God, I ask today that you would continue uh, to meet with us, but Lord, also remind us that we have something to give away to others. We have a friend named Jesus who, just like Philip, ran to find Nathaniel and said, you've got to come meet this guy. Let us have that same zeal and that same anticipation to, to let others around us meet you. Lord, use our lives to be encounters with others. We say yes to you today. In every way that we could say yes, Lord, use our lives and be honored. God, bless us indeed, even as we go from this place today. I thank you that we can leave this place with the sound of worship on our lips and in our hearts. Lord, let that be a sound that resonates through the community and through the lives of the people that we touch. I thank you for your presence that is tangible here when we gather and worship you. Let that continue in our lives and let us carry it out to the world. We love you, we honor you, and we give you glory now. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship with this song. At the end of this song, you're free to go. You'll be dismissed. Uh, but otherwise, have a great afternoon. We love you guys. God bless you.